1: Good afternoon and welcome to the Zoomer Week in Review, all things Zoomer worldwide. I'm Libby Zneimer. Around the world, countless people are executed and imprisoned because of blasphemy laws. I talked to the filmmaker behind a searing new documentary. And one of the big topics at this week's Liberal Cabinet Retreat was a basic minimum income. Is this an idea whose time has come? But first, here are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. As Jewish people around the world celebrate Rosh Hashanah this weekend, a new survey reveals shocking results. Two-thirds of young Americans don't know that six million Jews were murdered in the Holocaust. 63% of respondents between 18 and 39 said they didn't know that 6 million Jews were murdered and 23% believed the Holocaust was a myth or had been exaggerated. The survey was commissioned by the Conference on Jewish Material Claims Against Germany and its president, Gideon Taylor, calls the results both shocking and saddening. An alarming new U.S. study finds that a growing number have uncontrolled high blood pressure, more evidence that Americans are losing ground in the fight against heart disease. The study, published this week, finds uncontrolled hypertension increased 10% between 2013 and 2017. Meantime, hypertension is also one of the major risks for severe illness from COVID-19. As a result, U.S. health researchers are testing blood thinners on the most seriously ill COVID-19 patients to see if the drugs can help prevent some of the damage caused by the virus. Young adults are living with their parents in record numbers amid the pandemic. In fact, in the U.S., the majority of 18- to 29-year-olds live with at least one of their parents— Pew Research says 52 percent, or over 26 million, live with mom and dad, surpassing the previous record of 48 percent in 1940. Lack of income is driving the trend as younger people suffered the biggest financial impact of the pandemic. Some people think Donald Trump's White House is scandalous, but newly revealed letters by the John F. Kennedy Presidential Library show that during his tenure, Americans were very worried about cocktail parties at the White House. Letters from the public include one that warns, liquor dulls the brain and loosens the tongue. Another reads, quote, I feel humiliation and disgrace over our nation today when we learn of our White House Turned into shameful, drunken, all-night carousal and dancing. I'm Libby Snymer, and those are your Zoomer headlines from around the world. Around the world, blasphemy laws have led to the execution and imprisonment of countless people.
2: As a queer person living in Iran is living in constant fear for your life.
1: That's the trailer from the new Vision TV documentary, Blasphemy. And if you think it's an outdated concept, you'd be mistaken. Blasphemy laws are still on the books in about a quarter of the world's countries, with devastating results. And not all blasphemy relates to conventional religion. I talked with filmmaker Martin Himmel.
3: There's blasphemy in countries that we expect blasphemy laws to exist in, like in the Middle East, like Iran, Syria, Egypt. Pakistan, Pakistan's one of the worst, but there are many other countries that you wouldn't expect blasphemy laws in, like Italy or Germany or Poland. And that even Canada, until very recently, had a blasphemy law. So it's something that still exists. It's something that still costs lives. It's something that still really censors, uh, even though we thought that uh, in the uh, mass media communications world, the Internet world of our day, that it would be very facet.
1: Do you have any idea how many people are executed for blasphemy every year in a country like Pakistan?
3: There are many, many waiting death sentences. They don't easily implement those death sentences. The tactic seems to be with the judges is to drag the trials out for decades, for years, uh, because it's a very provocative situation. And if they don't need out a sentence, then there's an uprising among the masses. And if they do meet at a sentence, trouble with the outside world. So the people remain in limbo for years and years and years.
1: What about Iran?
3: If you insult the prophet or you insult an imam or you insult the religion, the the sentence of death. And in our documentary, we look at two people who are basically under those death threats, um, in Canada, uh, there's a well-known human rights activist who deals with blasphemy laws. His name is Reverend al Shafi, and we document him trying to save a, uh, an Iranian beauty queen who's uh, stuck in the Philippines as is threatened with deportation to Iran. Uh, and the Iranians wanted her because they wanted to try her for blasphemy for being a beauty queen and and, and being critical of Iran's record on, uh, on human rights and women's rights. Uh, I mean if a woman takes off the hijab the head covering in Iran and protests that way, well number one you can get you killed as it did several protesters that were shot for that in the street by snipers or it will get you years and years in prison and she was actively her name was Charlotte was actively fighting against this and the Iranians wanted her deported and uh, Reverend, we see how Reverend Shekti fights for her and tries to prevent that deportation and uh, we also follow the documentary, a uh, very gifted uh, Iranian uh, rapper, Sadiq Sky, who uh, is transgender um, and uh, sees himself as non-binary, he basically came out and uttered himself in a video, and it went viral. Say so, yes, there are LGBTQ people in Iran, contrary to what the government says, and for that he had a, she, she had a run for their lives. What
1: about? non-Muslim countries that have blasphemy laws, Christian countries.
3: Yes, yeah, so it's very interesting that Italy, for example, uh, is ranked very high with its blasphemy laws. I mean, technically, Italy is a secular country, with secular laws, and that there's a sharp division between religion and state. However, let us not forget that there's a country within Italy, it's called the Vatican, it's the center of the Roman Catholic Church, and uh, uh, while many, most towns are not religious, and most of the times even are critical of the Church, there is a very special place for the Catholic Church in Italy, and a line drawn on how far you can be critical. So um, uh, in our particular documentary, we look at a case where someone did something extremely provocative in their art uh, to uh, come out against the issue of pedophilia in the Catholic Church, and he was charged with blasphemy, and he was on the run, He was British and the police were looking for him and it's a serious charge. You go to prison or you pay a $10,000 fine, but they couldn't catch him. It's really meant uh, as a safeguard uh, to uh, religious oppression or prejudice against Jews or Muslims. Uh, But there is a very fine line there between legitimate criticism and the issue of religion.
1: In the documentary, you explore certain kinds of political correctness as a form of blasphemy, and you have the examples of some people being banned from Twitter because of their opinions on or taking on a transgender uh, or or something like that. Are, are those things really equivalent?
3: Well, they're equivalent in the sense that in, in our time, movements, certain movements have become almost dogmatic, and we, we've seen it. Um, for example, when it comes to transgender, there's, there's lots of issues that are debatable. Uh, for instance, uh, there's issues where uh, uh, with women in sports, where all sports people, even members of the LGBTQ community, uh, like Martina nod famous tennis player, who will come out and say that, you know, you couldn't become um a transgender woman, uh, but you can't change your genetic makeup, and as a man, you'll always have an advantage. And she was completely, basically, culture-canceled. I mean, totally canceled. I remember that. For those remarks, she was a lesbian woman who identified herself as Dutch in the 1960s and 1970s. It was a terribly uh, difficult thing to do, and it was an illegal thing to do. And she was a trailblazer. And here, all that is forgotten. She's now basically uh, a turp, uh, a, a hateful woman who's uh, expressing hate against transgenderism because she would, uh, in some way, question, even in a minimal sense, the true, complete feminine, feminist identity, feminine identity of a transgender. Where does the blasphemy come in is if you question it. Like Copernicus questioned whether the earth revolves around the sun, that's what he was killed for. But blasphemy, if you question it, then you are a heretic. You are a hateful person, not just about to have a social status. You are cut off from Twitter. You are cut off from social media. And then uh, you can face many, many death threats. And we document uh, an activist like that, Megan Murphy gets countless, hundreds of death threats for taking a position like that. In Pakistan, you, you could face execution In Canada, the chances of you actually being killed except by some deranged lunatic are low, but you can take social and professional excommunication, which is that as well. Martin Himmel,
1: thank you so much. Thank you. That was filmmaker Martin Himmel. Blasphemy airs on our sister station, Vision TV, Monday, September 28th at 9 p.m. That's Rogers Channel 60, Bell 1161, and Bell 5 1213. Go to vision.ca for more information idea has been around for decades and it's spawned two major experiments over the years. Now there's speculation that a guaranteed basic income is on the Liberal government's agenda amid reports that it was a major topic at this week's cabinet retreat. Sheila Regier is chairperson of the Basic Income Canada Network.
2: The Liberal caucus is not alone. There are many, many organizations and sectors who have been writing to the Prime Minister and to other leaders. There's a really strong, very public push for this now.
1: How does a basic minimum income work?
2: So a basic income works very much like old age security and the guaranteed income supplement works. We are guaranteed a certain amount of income if we from the government if we don't have enough other income on our own. So a 64-year-old, for example, on welfare is expected to live on about half of what a senior would get reaching 65. The other end of the age spectrum as well, families with children, they get a form of guaranteed income through Canada Child Benefit. So that those two ends of the age spectrum are sort of covered. But that 18- to 64-year-old group is where the gap is, and it again, as with seniors, is particularly hard for single people.
1: Take me back. There were a couple of experiments with basic income in the 70s, and, and we had that pilot here in Ontario. Just quickly uh, go over those, please.
2: Right. The mincom uh experiment. The the one that we really focus on happened in Dawson, Manitoba as a saturation site. So what's really important there is that you get to see the community effect of what happened with a basic income. What they found was that women in the days before we had any kind of reasonable maternity benefit were able to stay home a little bit longer with their children. High school students who would have had to leave high school prematurely to help out on farms, this is a rural area, were allowed to finish school with a basic income. And you found significant reductions in cost to the healthcare system, reduced, um, mental and physical health problems, reduced violence, accidents, injury, and that sort of thing. So you, you do see the ripple effects throughout the whole community.
1: What do you say to people who say, well, seniors or people over 65, I don't love the term seniors, they've worked their whole lives and they have earned this, uh, but why should others just get this free money?
2: So the reason is because everybody needs a certain amount of stability and security in society to be able to meet their basic needs so that they can actually participate. So It takes money to make money, and people are very anxious if you can't put food on the table, if you can't put a roof over your head, you're not in a good place to find a job. So our current system for younger people, working age people, traps people on social assistance, or it expects people to get by in a working life where they're not making enough money and they don't get much help at all. So our whole society benefits if we support everybody and we don't discriminate based on age. I would also argue that there are an awful lot of people over 65 who are also still working really hard. We're just not in the paid labor force.
1: One of the things that we've seen with the CERB, And it is especially concentrated in certain sectors of the economy where you have businesses that want to reopen and they are complaining that that type of income support is a disincentive for people going back to work. Uh, Frankly, they just do as well or better staying on the CERB. So why should they go back to work?
2: There are a couple of different issues going on here because we've, we've heard some of that too. And I think you have to kind of remember that we are still in the middle of a pandemic, um, in the fall that might be getting worse and people are really worried about their health. The larger issue though of this, this worry that people are not going to be employed, um, are not going to want to seek work. Everybody's going to sit home and play video games. That has been researched endlessly. There is no evidence whatsoever that that happens. When people are given the opportunity and more options in life, they will take full advantage of them.
1: Okay, so you're saying no, it won't be a disincentive.
2: No, no. And it's the thing that keeps people alive. I mean, you, you need that resilience. You, when your employer does open up in a few months, perhaps, um, if you become ill, Because you don't have enough money, or you've lost your house in the meantime, you're not in a good place to re-enter the labor force. So our economy really needs this. Uh, One of the other things that a basic income does is provide a kind of economic stimulus, because people with low and modest incomes don't park their money in offshore bank accounts. They put it back into their local community.
1: Do you have any kind of figure on how much this would cost?
2: In one of the models that we designed, which is, you know, the, the closest thing that, that we kind of have that, that bridges the gap between seniors and families with children. So this is the 18 to 64-year-old group um, with a model where you get about $22,000 as a single maximum, which is very equivalent to the SERB, and it gradually reduces as your income goes up. That we cost it in 2017 would be about $134 billion. And we found $136 billion in the tax transfer system to pay for it.
1: Are you hopeful that this will happen now?
2: I am. We assume that a lot of middle-class people have a certain amount of security and they don't have nearly as much as we imagined and as they used to. So there's a lot of debt, there's a lot of people who are making good incomes, but as soon as those stop, they don't have a lot to rely on. So all of these holes in our social protection measures, we need to rethink them in terms of the modern economy and how we're living our lives now. What we're looking at in terms of tax fairness measures is those who are generally in upper income brackets, where there are... Income tax breaks that are available only to people with lots of money where certain things are taxed um, more lightly.
1: So it's uh, make the rich pay? Partly. Partly. Okay. Well, let's be straight about that. Sheila Regeer, thank you so much. Thank you. That was Sheila Regeer of the Basic Income Canada Network. And that brings us to the end of this week's edition of the Zoomer Weekend Review. I'm Libby Zneimer. Thanks for joining me today. Be sure to come back next week to stay up to date with all things Zoomer
0: worldwide. Zoomer Week in Review is produced by Zeev Hadi, Christine Ross, and Paul Thomas. Technical producer, Justin Eacock. Executive producer, Moses Nimer. This podcast is proudly produced and presented by the Zoomer Podcast Network, home of great podcasts like Marilyn Lightstone Reads.